Hey, happy Tuesday and welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast. So glad that you've joined us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would ask that you please share this with someone uh, that, that could benefit from it as well. Today, we're hopping right back in with part two of our interview with Brett Goloff. So if you did not listen last week, go ahead and go check that out. And we're going to hop right back in kind of in the middle of our conversation. Let's get it, Zeke. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast. Helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and Zeke. And kind of the the next area that I that I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into, you know, you've you've brought up briefly kind of the, the shoe side of things. You know, obviously you have an enormous job with Chevrolet. And, you know, I, I would equate this maybe to, you know, we've got plenty of multiple sport athletes that are trying to balance the demands from different sports, different coaches, you know, more than one passion, um, you know, in, in the world of design, working on the Corvette while still doing some blogging, designing custom footwear for NBA players, serving as an adjunct professor, you know, still being able to find time to be husband and be father, you know, from a, from a performance standpoint, how do you stay focused on that task at hand so that each one of these areas really get your best? Uh, that's a good question. I think the the thing that really helped from the GM standpoint was like, and having like mentors and leaders talk me through this. Like, it's not like I'm just accepting this, but at some point you're, you're pulled so far and thin and it really becomes about your influence and knowing that if you do miss that meeting or miss you know something because inevitably it's going to happen does your influence kind of live past you um and that doesn't mean like am i looking over this and you're making the right decision in like a negative way or or in a reinforcing way it's more of what do you bring and what what do people know that they're going to get from you and having that constant be there? So knowing that if it's like a pivotal moment, like somebody's going to let me know, no, prioritize this one over that one. This is where we need you at. So as we shift to stuff that I do on the outside, I kind of just applied it the same way. Um, the other thing that I'll state was like having that same mentality, made sure like was I think as I compare and contrast internally of my day job, it's like all of those people that I'm a part of for the most part are always passionate about what they're doing. So I knew that if I'm going to go to the external, I need the external to have that same mentality. So a lot of it is deciphering with the right group of people. Like, are we right for each other? Uh, there's also a little bit of confidence in, in knowing that uh, having kind of multiple avenues, I don't have to put my whole life into it all the time. Um, that's financially speaking in a, in a metaphorical way. Um, but what that means is that I try to pick, I, I try to pick things that's going to bring the best of each other out. And sometimes it's knowing when not to take a job. And knowing uh, the, the person and how they do, you know, we've talked about the athlete side of thing from a product standpoint and a footwear standpoint. Um, it takes a special person to be able to break down uh, footwear I've found in a way for you to be able to design something new. Because most of the times what you have happen is like, oh, let's just talk basketball terms. I know you guys are more football, but if we're talking basketball, it's like, oh, I really love the Jordan 11. Oh, I love the Jordan 3. Oh, I love the Jordan 13 oh uh, i love the jordan 4 okay so you love the classic jordans we all love the classic jordans like i get that but yeah. what do you want in a shoe you know what i mean like what 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 does that do for you oh i want it to be comfortable okay what's comfortable mean because i can tell you right now between the three of us each one of us have a different description of what comfort is right. and it's simply an opinion 
but can you tell me and this really like if you get deep into like classic footwear and and really read about like this is what i think separates i mean honestly michael jordan and then i'll put kobe Bryant in there as well because both of them saw their footwear as like a tool for the court did it look cool yes that's where nike was a genius with it but at the end of the day if it wasn't helping mike score 63 or kobe to make sure that he can get past whatever he's going through on on the court he wasn't gonna put it on and that like really as a creative and a designer that then really helps you shift like what you're trying to solve for how tall your midsole is going to be how much rubber you're going to put it where you going to put a shank plate how's the inner booty going to fit how's that going to wrap the the foot where is it irritating this person at how does it fit through the forefoot and the top of the foot like all of those choices are really the hardest things to come up with and making the aesthetic is actually the easiest part because at the end of the day, it's just really what you and the person that you're working with like. That's really what it comes down to. From from beginning, like when you sit down with an athlete uh, until that final product, how long is that process? Is that, you know, months of trying different, you know, you talked about like the inner booty and the, and the, and the outsole, all those things. Is it trial and error over and over again or does that happen pretty quickly? So it's a little bit of both. Sometimes you get somebody that has like a really clear thought of where they want it to kind of be. And then I help them to shift it to make that thought original to them. Uh, so probably one of my best experiences is actually some of the stuff we're doing right now with a, a brand that's that's forthcoming here in a few weeks it's called Ethics. It's already out there. But Langston Galloway, he's a, he's a player. He's a, oh man, I think we're in our eighth or ninth NBA season. He's currently on the Nets right now. Um, but he... Uh, He's a massive sneakerhead. There's probably like, I mean, there's a lot of them in the NBA. PJ Tucker is probably the one that gets the most notice, but I would say Lang is right after that. I mean, he's got to have over, I'm not, I have, I have over 20,000 pairs easily. Um, and, but the key thing to that is like, obviously <laughs> that's capitalism at its finest. Um, but on, on the flip side, like he has a real opinion about all this. So like when him and I first got together, we just went, he was into. Detroit so we just went to a restaurant that's near his spot and he just I mean I'm not lying he brought like a massive like I you know like the duffel bags that we get like as common folk are I've learned are very small compared to like what this dude actually has I'm sure you guys have it in the football side but they brought like 15 pairs of shoes with him and he had like his own sketches and we just sat there and was we talked about all of them and like how it fit so to answer your question, in that sense, it was very clear what I was doing. So that eliminates a lot of time, right? Like that takes away, uh, all right, I know, I, I know this is what we're going after. So usually when I start with somebody, I usually see it as a three to five month period. Uh, and then where they take it from there is pretty uh, much on them. Uh, this isn't meant to sound arrogant or e- egotistical or, or not to put value to it. But it's pretty easy to come up with roughly somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five thousand dollars to get a few prototypes made with a factory. That's that's easy. That's not hard to do. And that's not to say that that money doesn't bring value to anybody that's listening. It does. But coming up with that amount of money, most people can figure out. The real challenge is taking that thing to production. Uh, I mean, and obviously there's more of a value to it. Uh, but it's also understanding timelines. It's understanding how you're going to ship it. It's understanding how you're going to sell it and where you're going to store it at. Those are bigger conversations. So for the most part, if somebody's just coming to me with an idea, say they want to make shoe X that's going to perform at Z, we can do that. We'll do it three to five months. What happens with that after that? I don't know. Uh, But the ones that really separate themselves are the ones that have a clear vision that make them unique. And that's usually where we really highlight each other very well. Are they all your favorites or is there one that sticks out more than others? 
Um, uh, I think my my favorite is is going to be Lang Shu, and it's out there. You can, uh, um, it's. I, I mean, I can just text it to Ben here. Uh, I mean, he's got a ton of media photos. Slams put it up. Slam did a whole article on it. The new kicks. Um, that one's my favorite because, like the way I grew up of loving footwear was like you kind of you know you zig what everybody else is zagging or pick your cliche metaphor that says you do the opposite. Um, but knowing like. Like when you come in, like if you were to go and buy like a LeBron, a KD, Trey Young, most of those shoes are all like knitted, synthetic welds, all these other pieces. And that's good. You have the big major financial machine behind you where you can afford all these different molds and, and do all these things. But this isn't meant to be disrespectful to any of those guys, but there is no data that points it. The way they're manufacturing that shoe equates to better performance. It really comes down to fit and feel and how you contour that around the foot. Um, so with him, I was like, hey, and whether right or wrong, I kind of treated his money as my own money and not in a greedy way. I was like, hey, if I'm you, this is what I would come in with. And this is how I would approach it. I would try not to have a bunch of molds. I would have an understanding of most expensive part of the shoe is a sole unit. So midsole, the EVA that you sit on and then the rubber. And usually there's a shank plate in that and a basketball shoe. Those are your most expensive pieces. That's like two thirds of the value of the shoe for the most part, give or take. And I was like, you, we should have a life cycle plan of how we're going to reuse this uh, probably for two shoes at minimum, possibly three. Uh, so we can amateurize it across our mold plan and everything. And then we also had an approach of like, just looking at the landscape was like, we want to create a very, very modern fit that like contours the foot incredibly. Uh, but everybody else is doing basically synthetic footwear. We want to do something that's all cut and sew and uh, honed in on like, Hey, you know, some of the all-time greatest basketball players on the planet. Uh, one of them won six NBA championships and all cut and sew. And it's like, <laughs> we can't take that away from anybody. Uh, so how can we do that, but in a more modern way? And what that obviously did for me is create a completely different visual from any product that's out on the court. Um, and I, I think we've succeeded. And it was in the finals last year. He was on Phoenix. And like when you were watching ABC, or at least I was, uh, you could graphically see it from any other shoe that was on the court. And that felt really good. That was a huge, huge success. Um, so that to me is, is probably my most important. Another one is... Uh, uh, we have, I have some stuff forthcoming with a brand called Snibs, which I think they were really beautiful in what they did that these are two guys that worked in the, the restaurant industry. One's like won a few competitions on the food network and stuff like that. And he basically managed to get a, a sneaker, so to speak, that is waterproof and great for the kitchen and other areas of industry like that made without a blueprint. And then once he got into the factory, it was a factory that I've been associated with. They're like, Hey, why don't you reach out to Brett? And so now we're on like can't choose two, three, and four together. And we're taking something that's just really unique and putting a lot of visual culture into it. So that hasn't been seen, but that will be awesome. Another company is uh, uh, Cujo Yardware. Um, so his name is is, uh, is Sean Langton. And like he was in Detroit at the time. He reached out to me and he's like, hey, I love my yard. Like I love doing all this stuff out here, but I basically use either old sneakers or ridiculously heavy work boots. And uh, we created like this hybrid blend to it. And that product, I've done every one of their products. I think there's there's third ones about to come out if it hasn't come out. I know they had it at their trade shows, so it's out there. But those shoes are super cool. And like from being this like rural background, like, that's like the shoes that like my dad wears, my father-in-law wears, like my stepdad wears, like all of that. So that's kind of cool as well. And knowing, uh, because those are also people that 
are very stingy with their money when it comes to footwear and critique the crap out of their performance for what they're going to do. Like my dad farms and he works at a factory as well. And then my, my stepfather is a truck driver and my, my father-in-law is, is retired, but he does a ton around the yard. They critique the crap out of that stuff. And then it maintains and it lives up to it. And it, and it hits every expectation of somebody who doesn't put that thought of into their footwear the way I do. So those, those would be a few projects to answer your question. And, you know, we talked about, there was a, an extended weekend that you and your family went on a trip and you came back to 2,500 emails like that, that boggles my mind. Um, you know, there, there's, there's always more work to be done and you have a lot of people expecting a lot from you. Plus at the end of the day, I mean, you got into this because you love it. So I, I guess kind of my, my next question as we start to get a little bit more on the on the personal side here, definitely something that athletes deal with, coaches deal with. You know, how do you maintain that passion? How do you how do you not get burned out? How do you how do you balance all of this and, and still perform at a high level for an extended period of time? I think that's a tough one. I, I think a lot of it I kind of always joke. Uh, like to me, I feel like this is as close as I can get to being an athlete. Like I grew up idolizing all that stuff. Like I love every, almost every sport on the planet, deep nerd about everything. I knew I wasn't going to be Michael, but what's the closest thing I can do. And I always felt like in my own way, like, you know, him, Kobe or whoever it is, Brady throw the Manning with all of us from Indian and in Indiana and stuff like that. Uh, or even all of your Ohio State stuff, man. But like those guys are hitting the gym early and they're leaving the gym last. Well, that to me was like, I have plenty of friends that are going out and partying when I was in school. I sat and drew. I did more and more. In this exact spot that I'm sitting in right here, I would come home every summer while my beautiful wife would go to the bar with some of our friends. And I sat here and I did more projects and I did more and I did more and I sent them to more people and I got critiqued and I built me up further and learned more, did more, built more. Um, to some extent, that mentality hasn't eroded away from me. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't balancing a lot of this stuff at this point. Um, I'm, th- there is times I have to take breaks. I have not opened up my work email since Monday last week, and I am terrified of what I'm coming back to, just to be frank. <laughs> um, but like, uh, and that's the first time I've ever done it. Uh, but to some extent, like I needed that. Uh, it's been an extraordinarily busy year for Chevrolet in general. Um, from the footwear side, it's always good outlets. It's enough that I can balance. It's enough that quite frankly, I do all of it through texting and I've gotten better at not, um, um, I mean like, so there's a bad glare on it, but this is a rendering that I did when I was in the automotive side at, at, at CCS where I went to college. I was like 19 when I did that. That took like 10 hours. I don't do anything for 10 hours anymore with drawings. At the end of the day, like what I do is about communication and how you get that idea across and how it communicates to multiple people. And in my areas, multiple languages, that's the key piece to it. Do I need the art piece? Yeah. Usually if I'm selling that final vision, the art comes into it, but doing that for everything, no. So a lot of it, as I kind of referenced earlier, is understanding the influence and understanding like who I am and what I do. And making sure that I communicate that at that high level at all times, even when I am spread thin. The biggest thing that I've had to learn in particular over the past, definitely the past year, but probably the past two years, if I was really put it together, is knowing knowing when not 
to respond to something. Uh, I am usually always multitasking in one way or the other. Um, and that, that I've started to notice myself have more errors in than I'm proud of when I'm doing it. So it's really understanding like, hey, this may feel good for you because you're getting it off your plate, but is it as effective and is it just creating more work for you? So being willing to allow that inbox to be full or allow that text to not be responded to, uh, but still making sure you get back to it within a window of time that, that's adequate. So I think some of it comes to self-control and not letting it uh, kill yourself. Uh, I don't mean that in a literal way. Uh, but running is another big thing, self-time. Uh, I can tell you, like, as I'm looking at five inches of snow come down outside this window right now, like, it would eat at me not being able to just get out and have a little bit of alone time. Uh, I need time to myself and, and being willing to say that and not wait for me to blow up for the people around me to know that that's like time for it to happen. Uh, you know, like yesterday, like I, we had had a family Christmas on Sunday and that's a lot for me. It's like 15 people. And that's a lot for me. Like, I don't like doing that all the time. So I, they were still here the next morning. So I just bounced. Like I went to a coffee shop and just did some stuff on my own. I need that, that moment to myself to be able to kind of re reground myself and kind of refigure things out and know where I want to take it and how I want to do it. I used to be very rigorous about a routine. COVID really affected that. Uh, and I learned that the reason why I was so rigorous about it was because my schedule was so rigorous. And if I didn't keep it rigorous, I wouldn't be able to do all that I needed to do. COVID helped it. I was lucky where my schedule became not necessarily more flexible, but more adaptable. Um, and that allowed me to be able to be like, all right, well, if I'm not going into the office and I'm taking everything from meetings, then I'm not taking a lunch. I'm just going to go and run for my lunch, taking lunch, but I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm going to go and do my running then, as opposed to having to do it at like 5.30 in the morning when I don't want to be doing it and I'm not running at my best level or anything like that. So that type of stuff really helps. So being adaptable uh, and being adaptable with myself, I think is probably the long, the, the short to the long-winded answer I just gave you. Brett, we some question that we ask all of our um, guests, and I think this fits perfectly with you just from your story and your vision since you've been so young. Uh, what, what would you go back and tell a younger version of yourself from where you're at now? Probably not to be so critical of myself. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of self-hate that I put myself through that I probably don't have to, uh, where it's like just beating myself up and, and being patient, uh, meaning that like, like even now, like by in many terms of my life, I think to many people that I've talked to, I've accomplished and succeeded. Could stop now and I'm probably good. Uh, and that that's not to demoralize anybody or anything, but for me, like it doesn't feel that way. And I'm uh, like, oh, I'm 37. Like I got to get this together. Like there's still so much to do. So understanding patience, knowing right time, knowing that like, hey, it's cool to to not have to rush to that next thing. Um, I think on the other side, though, if I am being truly honest with myself, is having that confidence and that braveness to to be able to tell myself that I that I can like take the risk that's probably holding you back to some extent, and that can be applied to many things. Whether that's applying for another job moving careers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going through or anything like that. But and meaning that like most of the stuff that keeps you from succeeding is yourself. And usually it's the conversations within. I think a lot of times 
when somebody doesn't get what they want, whether it be that promotion, probably a spot on a team, you, you look out to other things that you didn't have control of. And you might say that was the reason that I didn't have it. Oh, uh, you know, that dude, he knows that coach better than me. So he got the spot or, oh, um, I'm not right for that position because I haven't went and lived in China for X amount of years or something. You blame other outliers as the reason, whereas like really coming back and looking within and saying, hey, no, it's probably not that. And it's probably yourself and the way that you're shutting yourself down, saying that you're not ready for some reason. So get over that internal fear, get over that thing that's keeping you from wanting to take that risk and just do it. Like if there's anything that's great about America is you can do anything in this country and you can rebound from it in some way, shape or form. So why are you, why are you holding yourself back is really what it comes down to. That's awesome. Just uh, last question here, Brett, they, you know, the listeners that we have that are out there chasing after a dream, chasing after a goal of their own, what, uh, knowing what you know now, what, what piece of advice would you have for them? Mm, that's tough. I, I, I want to leave you with something pivotal, obviously, but I think that the piece of advice that I would honestly give is to, is to probably journal. Um, and I, all right. So my wife's a psychotherapist and, uh, she, she would be so annoyed with my response at this point because like she had been telling me to do it, like even when she was in college and I didn't start doing it until man, after we had Gavin. So like 2015, but journaling. And I think and come up with like your cool 2021, 22 ways of saying what it is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, a note or whatever you do with it. Right. Uh, but journaling for me, I had, uh, I always, I find like, I look to outlier sources of, of inspiration, usually unattainable sources to some extent. And most times what I get inspired by is a conversation hearing it. There was a, a skateboarder that I really love, Andrew Reynolds. And like, I only started listening to him is because of how beautiful relationship he had with his daughter and how, how they bonded through things. But he went through AA and he talked about how journaling every morning, he was like, you know, some days I write something really deep. Some days I'm like, don't buy that Lexus. And that's all I write. <laughs> like just something really small and stupid, but it grounded him and it gave him a foundation. And most of the times when you think of what you're going through and how you're going to get to that next step, usually as you're practicing it, regardless if it's rhythm within an athletic routine, uh, meaning like maybe you're doing reps, maybe you're doing weights, I don't know, whatever it is, most of it is how you're mentally preparing yourself to take to that next step and how you're organizing your thoughts. And a lot of times what I found when I was doing the journal at a really high proper level was that I may not have known it, but what I had wrote four weeks ago usually led to where I was at four weeks later. And I may not have always connected those dots. And then as it came to important times, and I can remember as we were doing final presentations for the the new Corvette Z06, like I was kind of able to just go back through my notes and put together like, hey, I'm at this moment. Like I'm at this moment that I've been talking about. What don't I want to forget now? Uh, So to some extent, I think it would be journaling, man. I think that would be the major piece that I would put forth that I think would challenge people to think in a different way and probably make them grow in in a very unique fashion as well. 
That's that, that makes my, uh, <laughs> that makes my heart happy as well. I, I don't know how your, how your wife would feel about, you know, how you explained it, but literally season three, episode one, like we encouraged everybody. All right, we're going to give you these tools. Here's how you should be journaling. Here's how you should be documenting this, you know, this journey that we're going to go through together in, in season three, um, literally had like episode five, maybe I think was, was titled does journaling really do anything because you know you walk into a, a room of high school boys college boys you know they they've got this macho like i'm not going to journal that's what my english teacher used to make me do i'm way too cool for that but it's like the the science behind it is absolutely undeniable so to have the global interior design manager of Chevrolet, I apologize. I, I don't think I got that title right, but I, I'm, I'm close. You know, to to have you saying that, Brett, um, and the the level that you're at professionally is is awesome to hear. Well, this is this has been phenomenal conversation, Brett. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your uh, your busy schedule and time away from the family to just sit down and chat with us. Thank you so much. No, thank you for considering me, and it was really fun. I really, truly appreciate it. It's it's a wonderful experience. I love talking about this type of stuff. It's great to, uh, I mean, it's just great to hear other people talking about it. You don't get enough conversation around this type of stuff in the sense of uh, you, you have to find it on your own. You know what I mean? And and sure. it's really it's really beautiful to hear that. So I think it's awesome. So thank you for the time. Thank you for thinking of me. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, if you have any questions and want to get in touch with us, uh, check out mentaltrainingplan.com. Uh, and until next time, make your plan, put it to work.